Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody. We'd like to welcome the folks that are tuning in online and those who will be uh, tuning in at some later time. And you may be seated. Make yourselves comfortable. And it's been quite a, a season, Christmas and New Year's, all the way back to Thanksgiving, all these holy days that we've been having and uh, been having godly holidays. But I'll tell you, uh, that'll take it out of you spiritually. Now, some folks, they're just tired. They've got sore feet, sore backs, headaches, you know, indigestion, bloating, whatever they've got. And uh, it's because uh, they've been partying too hardy. And uh, that's not God's plan for you and for me. God's plan for you and for me is to say, let me tell you what the true meaning of Thanksgiving is. Let me tell you what the true meaning of Christmas is. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Now, if you've been doing that, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired, I'm drained, and I need a filling tonight. So I want you to pull up to the pump tonight and fill her up, okay? We've got a Bible that is absolutely inspired, and as I testified to so many people this week, it's not only uh, uh, inspired, but preserved. Every single word of it is preserved. We don't have to go looking for the Word of God. Now, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if we don't have the inspired and preserved words of God, we need to go find them, that we might live by them. Otherwise, you know, somebody's playing a trick on us. So I'm very thankful when somebody says, well, what is your final authority? I'll say, I cannot uh, just tell you what it is. I'll tell you where it is. What it is is the Word of God, and here it is right here. I'm holding it in my hand. Every single word of it, inspired and preserved. Well, I'm very thankful tonight that we have the privilege to look into the inspired and preserved words of God. I have a little report. You that are praying for Judy Powell, keep on praying. Her procedure was delayed from today till tomorrow, and we're trusting that that'll be the case. Um, of course, Russ called in to check in and let us know, and we want Russ, we want you to know, and everybody that's connected with Judy that we are praying for her as she has this heart procedure to shock the heart and get it in proper rhythm. All right, it is New Year. Are you glad to be in the house, Lord, on New Year's? I am. I am so glad. And tonight, we're going to look into the Word of God. We've already looked into some New Testament Scripture. Let's go to some Old Testament Scripture tonight, shall we? Would you go to the book of Exodus with me? I will be teaching next fall from Exodus, and not exclusively from Exodus, but we'll be looking at the next hero in uh, our list of those heroes of the faith, Moses will be the next one up. And we'll be looking at all the background material in the Pentateuch to draw from as we teach on Moses and see the strengths that uh, we can emulate and the weaknesses, the foibles and flaws that we can try to avoid by the grace of God. All right, Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. Uh, we have uh, given to us in chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, but then we have many chapters on another subject. We're going to read about that subject tonight. It's Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 8. God is giving directions and He says in Exodus 25, 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. 
Now, we could close the Bible and go home, but I want to expound a little bit upon this and make some application. The devil doesn't care that we believe in an inspired and preserved Bible as long as we don't understand it and live it. So we need to put it into practice tonight. Amen. Amen. So he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You want to take some notes, underline some things, and write some things in the margin. When God says, and let them, he's talking about his people. Not everybody that's born into this world is God's people. You only become God's people by the second birth, the new birth. You need to be born again, born from above. That is a willful and deliberate decision. Somebody asked me this week, what about predestination and election and foreknowledge? And I said, it's like this. Uh, a man much greater, student of the Word of God, much greater than I am, said it this way. When you stand on this side of heaven's gate, it will say, whosoever will may come in. And we'll walk through the gate, and then we'll turn around, stare at the gate on the reverse side, and it will say, electing Christ. All right, so that's it. So I can tell you tonight, I'm electing Christ. You know how I know? Because I've already been saved. Now, if you'd asked me on June the 16th, 1955, I could not say that, because I had not yet received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I did that on the 17th of June, 1955. And even... At that, I was just a five-year-old kid, not quite six years of age, and I wouldn't have understood that language. But uh, had I been mature enough to understand that language, I could not tell you the day before I received Jesus Christ that I'm elect, nor could uh, any other person on the planet. And so all preaching on who are the elect and who isn't the elect and so on and so forth, who can be elect and who can't be elect, all that preaching is in vain because it doesn't practically affect anybody until they come to God through Christ. Then they're elect in Christ. Now, I, I firmly believe way back yonder, wherever that is, way, way back, I'm trying to get the direction, way back yonder in eternity past, in the councils of God, Eternity passed. I, I believe God had everything all figured out based on that foreknowledge. That's what happened. But I was not privy to that council. And I, I don't know what went on that discussion. I just know this, that somewhere there, because God knew it ahead of time, God knew that on June the 17th, 1955, I would become, in a very practical way, electing Christ. Now, I might have been prior to that, I don't know. It doesn't matter because until I actually received Jesus Christ and exercised that free will in that respect and called upon the name of the Lord, it doesn't matter, does it? We don't know who's elect. We don't know. And where the Bible talks about being predestined, we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That has to do with what happens after You've asked Jesus Christ into your life. There's that growth in grace and you are predestined and I am predestined and he and she are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ more, 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 more like Jesus, more like his uh, every, every uh, thing about him. I'm going to become more and more like Jesus as he controls more and more of my life. That's it. All right. Now, having said that, here's, here's what the scripture has to say about let them make me, make for God a sanctuary. Make, make the one true God, not somebody else's concept of God, not somebody else's religion's God, 
but I'm talking about the one true God, the God of the Bible, the Old New Testament. We're talking about God of the Bible. So he says, and let them, my people, in other words, make me, that's the one true God of the Bible, a sanctuary, a holy place set apart for him alone. And he is still saying that tonight. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what know ye not that your body is the temple, the dwelling place of God? God wants us to willfully and deliberately acknowledge that our body is his dwelling place. And we need to give him free course, free run of that. Now, he is the God of the universe. But when it came to having a physical structure in which to dwell so that his Shekinah glory could be seen by the high priest so that his presence could be realized in a, in a mist or a smoke or a fire or, or whatever. He said, I want my people to make that place. Are you getting this? But he's the creator of everything. But he wanted his people. He wanted Moses and his people in the wilderness to rear up a tent like structure, a temporary movable structure with walls and roof and outer court and all of that, a, a gate to walk through, all of that and all of the pieces of furniture that are necessary that we're going to see tonight. And he wanted that so that they would make him a place to dwell in their midst. God still wants that today. He wants our body to be his dwelling place. Now, I understand I understand that when I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, the Holy Spirit will come in. But a lot, of time, a lot of times people like to lock him up in the closet and throw away the key. They don't want him to have free movement, free course, mobility, and, and uh, have anything to say about our life. Their attitude is this. You know, you don't bother me, Holy Spirit, and I won't bother you. You leave me alone and I'll just live my life any old way I want to. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for the Holy Spirit to have free reign, free course in my spirit and in my body so that He's moving all over me and through me and out of me so that I can make a difference. I can touch and affect the lives of people all around me. That's what He wants. So He said, and let them, God's people, make me, the one true God of the Bible, a sanctuary, a holy place set apart that I may dwell among them. He wants to hang out with us. That's what it boils down to. Can you imagine that? He wants to hang out with us. Now, in my lifetime, there have been some people I wanted to hang out with. I remember my brother, when I was growing up, eight years older than I, uh, he, he was, I thought he was the coolest guy to ever walk. I thought he was the coolest guy. Fifteen years of age before he could actually do what he wanted to do, he had worked so hard at the feed store extra hours before, during, and after everything else that he could afford to buy an old jalopy. And he did. He bought an old jalopy and he fixed it up. Now, he wasn't old enough to drive it yet. But when he got old enough to drive it, he was a 16-year-old terror on the streets. And uh, every, every law enforcement officer in town knew Den Winnegar. He was a hot rodder. He's not proud of it, but that's what he did. And I thought he was, the, he was my big brother. I thought he was so cool. He was 16 and I was 8. Now, what does a 16-year-old want to do with an 8-year-old? You're right, nothing. But my brother was so cool, he said, come on, kid. And he'd bring me along with him. 
one time, he said, come on over here. And he had me sit up on his lap, and he wanted me to drive. And I put it in the ditch, promptly put it in the ditch. And that was the last time he asked me to drive. But I remember him. Now, now Den was an athlete. And he was cool. He thought he was the second coming of Elvis. And, and I mean, he, he wore sideburns like Elvis and hair like Elvis and, and you know, T-shirt. And he didn't smoke, but he rolled up his, you know, T-shirt uh, just like he did. He didn't smoke. But uh, there he was. He was Mr. Cool. And I, I was just at, so taken with him. And he would introduce me to his friends. He said, this is my little brother. He's rowdy. You know, I don't know if that was like rowdy on rawhide or just rowdy. You know, like persons out of, you know, whatever, rowdy. But that's what he'd say about me. And he took me places. And I'll, I'll never forget on Sundays after church, after preaching, when dad got done and he'd have to have a meeting or counsel somebody. He'd send us on our way. And I remember they had birth, built the very first McDonald's in that part of California. And it was a few miles away. And Den would drive us over there. And for 15 cents, I could get a burger and fries. 19 cents, I could get a burger, fries, and a soft drink. Think about that. Those were the old days. That's right. That's when gasoline was about 15 cents a gallon. I mean, it was back in those days. And uh, my, my brother was a fellow. I, I wanted to hang out with my brother. Now, I couldn't hang out with my brother all the time. There was a time, uh, you know, kind of a, an age gap. And so I didn't hang out with him. So I hung out with my other. I had friends in the neighborhood. I had friends uh, down, on the, down on the playground. And I'd go down there, and that's where I honed my athletic skills, developed what I was going to become what I thought I was going to become, and I hung out with them. And everybody in their lifetime has had a desire to hang out with somebody. Maybe you want to hang out with the smart people or the rich people or the successful people or the, you know, maybe there's a lot of crooked people you want to hang out with the straight people. I don't know. But everybody wants to hang out with someone. God wants to hang out with His people. His Spirit wants to have active control within the body of the believers. Think about that. It says that He inhabits the praises of His people. You want the Lord to be present with you in a very real and strong sense, so you, you sense His presence. I sensed His presence when He put His hand on my shoulder and said, you're going to be a preacher. And I said to that camp counselor, I'm going to be a preacher. I felt the presence, I sensed the presence of God in my life on numerous occasions when God spoke to me and has, has moved in my spirit in agreement with His Word, obviously, and not in an audible voice, but in a still small voice within. I believe in that kind of a God. I serve that kind of a God. I serve the kind of God who is so real that you can sense His presence. He is so real that when He moves within you, you know it. And you can testify to it. And uh, when God blesses you through the word, through the preaching, through the teaching, you can go home and you say, you know, God showed up tonight. God made a difference tonight. When you win someone to Jesus and they come to God through Christ and, uh, and you just led them to the Lord Jesus Christ and you know that's a God thing, don't you? And you know that Jesus showed up on that occasion. You know what we need? We need to have 
a revisiting of those days where God shows up. We need to have uh, some more repeat experiences. I'm not talking about Pentecostalism or Charismania, but I'm talking about a genuine Bible experience because the Holy Spirit is within us and our body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit in this dispensation. That when God moves on us and we're obedient, He gives us something real out of the Word. He gives us something real that we can sink our teeth into in preaching and teaching in the house of the Lord with God's people. He moves on us when we're witnessing, when we're on visitation or passing out tracts. He does something. He shows up and you know that God has shown up. We need to have a visitation, a revisitation of those kinds of experiences. Now there's some things that we can take personally in this. Exodus 25, 8 and 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Let them, God's people, make me, the one true God of the Bible, a sanctuary, a holy place set apart that I may dwell among them. This message tonight is, if it is anything, it is personal. It is personal. You out there on YouTube and other platforms, this is personal. I know there is a physical distance between where we're broadcasting from and where you are receiving. But it's just as real and just as personal as anybody seated in this auditorium tonight and God is speaking to you. He's speaking to your heart. He's putting His hand on your shoulder. He's speaking to you. He's saying, this is for you, man. This is for you, lady. This is for you, my child. This is for you. It's personal. It's absolutely personal. Why? Because we are God's people. There is no doubt about it. I know that I know that I know that I know that I've been born again. Been speaking with somebody this week, can't say it quite so plainly. Yeah, objects to the fact that we say it so plainly. We're not going to stop saying it so plainly. Do you know, do you know, K-N-O-W, that you've been born again? Number two, do you know that He, I'm talking about the God of this book, that He is the same God who's moving inside of you, the same God who's speaking to you, the same God who's confirming the truth. Do you know that? This is all about us. This is about us. And it's about God's place. And it's about His rights. Because my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the dwelling place of God Almighty, God the Holy Spirit. He has a right to me. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, He has a right to say what I do, what I think, what I say, who I'm with, where I go, what I decide. You say, that's awfully controlling. Get used to it. It's a whole lot better than what the devil does when he's in control. When the world, the flesh, and the devil have a hold of a person, that person is miserable. They have, they have no say in anything. They think because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is being satiated some way or other. That they're, they're receiving some level of of sinful pleasure that somehow they're getting their way, but all the time they are a puppet on the devil's string. They're under the control of the infernal one. They're under the control of the one who is going to lead them to burn forever in a lake of fire. They don't have control. There's never been a person who says, man, I want to do what I want to do. Then why are you under the control of that influence? 
Why are you under the control of those drugs, that alcohol? Why are you under the control of the people you run with, people who influence you, that, that uh, sin, that temptation to sin, that constant lust, that sin that burns within you? What we need is what God wants to be in you and me. That's what we need. Total, absolute control. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Amen, Tom? Lean not unto thine own understanding. Amen. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Amen. And he shall direct thy paths. That's what he's going to do. He's going to direct our paths. Say, no, no, no. Next step, to take a right. Now, take a left. He's going he's to direct us. And we need to do exactly what he says to do. How he leads. This tabernacle of which we have spoken in Exodus 25, 8 functions exactly as the temple did later on, which was a permanent dwelling until it was torn down. There was never...